Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and it's uh, it's another regular week. We've got Mark and Steve with us. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you guys. Yeah. Mark nice. Mark had a uh, had a little break last week. Yeah. We let that slide a little bit, but uh, but we had <laughs> we had a good conversation with Steve. That was good. It was fun. Uh, I got to listen to it. It was. It was kind of scary to kind of listen to it. I kept talking back, and, and you guys just <laughs> Why are they ignoring me? <laughs> well, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Well, you get me if, – if I get talking about video games, sometimes it's hard to shut me up. So I'm glad it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, if if you see, the recording was like an hour and 40 minutes long, and, uh, and, and the recording probably went a little bit past that. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, but like I said, this is going to be another regular week. We're going to talk more about tabletop games, you know, ironically, because, you know, we are Tabletop Radio Hour. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. Um, and, and to be but fair, anyways, uh, usually computer yeah. computers and, and game consoles usually sit on a table as well, so. I mean, you got a point there. Stretching you know, things, they are, you know, a little bit, that's, that's reasonable. Yeah, we could, we could swing it. Yeah. I think some people will believe us. <laughs> I think that should be the challenge, is see how far afield you can get, far away from the source. So, like, by the end of this, Before we're going to be... Before people start complaining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Mexican soap operas and 1970s vintage <laughs> candy bars, and we'll see what happens. Perfect. Okay, that's going to be our goal from now on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, anyways, uh, I want to talk to you guys. Um, anything new coming on this week, or the last couple weeks, for you all? No, been a fairly normal, fairly quiet week. You know, been gaming wise, just been uh, fairly, fairly steady. Okay, Steve, what about you? Um, yeah, I haven't done any like actual tabletop RPGs, although I had a, a a couple of board game sessions with some friends that went really well. Game nights. Um, so yeah, played some new stuff there and just had a really good time. It's you know the usual. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Anything you guys are excited for as far as uh, releases coming out or uh, or anything like that? Actually, Seventh Sea just uh, sent out a sneak peek of their uh, uh, Pirate Nation module that mm-hmm. I've been uh, kind of diving into. That's been my big uh, excitement this week. Um, you know, it's it's still rough. There's still miss- some missing artwork, but being part of the Kickstarter, I got to uh, I got to see a, a sneak peek of it. And uh, it looks pretty good. the The heroes nice. and villains was was okay, but this seems like it's adding a lot of neat content. Yeah, yeah, I I think so because a lot of elements that some players want to explore are going to be these pirate nations, and they want to they want to experience pirates of the Caribbean or you know stuff like that. And I think that's a good addition to uh, to the core book, uh, just because it doesn't have that information. Uh, that that they need to further delve into the the whole pirate mindset. I'm really impressed by how quickly they're rolling out supplemental materials for second edition. I mean, it, it seems like it was sort of a niche kickstarted thing, but but they're really running with it. I mean, you know, you hear all these horror stories about kickstarters there; they just sort of rest on their laurels and don't <laughs> deliver. This is the opposite. So you know, well, it was it, it, technically it was a little bit late. The they were supposed to be coming out with one a month. And the Pirates was actually supposed to come out in December, and so it's running a little bit late. But I think the uh, the next one, the the first uh, um, Nations uh, book, 
is uh, coming out pretty pretty quickly after that. So that's that's positive. Okay. I don't know like mm-hmm. what kind of staff they've got there, but I mean one kind of supplemental book or, or I don't know if it's like a pamphlet or what, but I assume it's like a full fledged like kind of you know source book. Uh, one yeah. a month is pretty aggressive. So I mean kudos to them mm. for even trying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. <clears throat> and maybe maybe in the on on their side of things they've had things written for a while you know kind of like as the kickstarter was was um rearing up as it was getting on its feet they were they were writing you know they didn't wait until the very end to start production yeah i'm sure of it because i think whether or not the kickstarter funded they wanted to they wanted to get this out there they wanted to uh, at least sketched out fund this right. yeah by yeah. other means you know <clears throat> now the more i so get I into the in, second... in their case no, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, I think on their end, they've had things written, maybe from even before they launched the Kickstarter. You know, I don't know how much John Wick did on his own because he had he had a say in first edition, I believe, and then it then yeah, uh, kind of went off to do his own thing. But um, right, I'm sure he's had things written and, and ideas that he just needed to put down on paper and. Since he had those ideas, I think it, it's not taking him as long. Yeah, mm-hmm. and an- another thing they did, uh, you know, I think through the Kickstarter was they uh, they kind of put out a call for artists and writers, um, mm-hmm. and so they got a lot of uh, fan contribution for a lot of the uh, expanded stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of community content and collaboration going on there, right? Well, and, and plus, to be fair, he's had a lot of time on his hands since those guys killed his dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wrong oh, John Wick. <laughs> I, I always get that confused, though. I, I'm on, like, Reddit, and I see something about John Wick, and I'm like, oh, what's he doing now? And Oh, oh he, he's making a movie, apparently. Another one, huh? Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see the first one. <laughs> uh, but, Steve, anything exciting for you uh, coming up? Um. Well, there's uh, – I guess it's already out now, but I'm, I'm going to pick it up pretty soon. There's a, a new board game um, set in the D&D universe called Tyrants of the Underdark, uh, which has been out for maybe a month or two now. And I completely passed it over because it was relatively expensive and it, the components looked ugly and I'm very superficial. But I read a review on it that said it's the best thing since sliced bread. And like after kind of getting a little bit more knowledge on it, it actually seems really fun. It's uh, kind of a, a drow politic game that mixes uh, – uh, deck building and territory control, um, and there's a lot of kind of buzzwords in there that get me excited. So <laughs> I think it's going to be a good hey, one. That's why they. That's why they use buzzwords. You know <laughs> yes, that's all it takes. That's <laughs> all it takes for me. Um, Bryce, I think we've got a sucker over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am. I am indeed a sucker. I. I am definitely. You can sell anything to me. So <laughs> oh, I'm the same. I'm the same way, Steve. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But it looks pretty good. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pick that one up. And I, I was. I was waiting until it goes on sale. But I think I just need to like bite the bullet and grab it. Go to Cool Stuff mm. Inc. and grab it online and see how it goes. Nice. Yeah. Definitely. A uh, couple things I'm excited for. Um, I just received a, a funded Kickstarter uh, last week. Oh. And it's called Beneath the Inverted Church. I've talked about it a little bit in past episodes. Just because I was so excited for it, and I didn't have any physical copy in front of me, um, but yeah, uh, this uh, author, game developer—I don't 
I don't know what to title him, but <laughs> Justin Soroyce, uh, you can find him on, uh, I think he's on Instagram, and of course you can check out his Kickstarter, and I think he has an Etsy page, but um, yeah, he just came out with this pre-written module, I know what you're saying, I know what you're saying, Zach, you have, <laughs> you have heavily, <laughs> you have not spoken highly on, on pre-written modules before, but... <laughs> Uh, but this is this is an interesting one. Uh, it's a an eighteen plus, so it's it's for a, a little bit more mature audiences, and it's about. I mean, it's really hard to explain because you you are in this church and and you find out there's something that's not right about this church, and. Uh, there are all these mirrors in the church that are portals to a kind of other dimension church. It's really interesting. Hmm. But um, you battle, you you face all of these, you know, dastardly, grotesque monsters. And, you know, a good comparison of it kind of seems to be uh, the Dark Souls games. Because, you know... Hmm. They all have these kind of grotesque, super huge enemies, you know, that you have to fight. And it's kind of a, a darker setting and everything. So my best comparison to that would be the Dark Souls games. Just because at first glance, it kind of gives it that vibe. But yeah. They have a lot of really great character design in that that type of setting. So I could see how that would, would translate very well to an RPG, a tabletop RPG kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And a cool mechanic he put into the book was um, at the very back, instead of just flipping through it regularly, you close the book, flip it over, and you can you can open it, and it'll have the 20 levels of this dungeon. Super cool. It's, it's a really oh, awesome fun. concept that he, that he got in there, which was it's, – it's really exciting to actually see it because I – you know, following the Kickstarter and everything, he said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But it's like I don't I – can't, I can't really picture it, you know. And then now I have this, this physical hardbound book copy that's absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, you just flip it over and uh, flip through it and it's got all these different pages, uh, one each dedicated to uh, each level of this dungeon. And so it's a it's a really cool concept. Like you roll a d20 and whatever number that is, it's like you go to that level. You know, it's 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 a really cool concept. I love it. That is really cool. But I can't I can't wait to to break it open and, and get it on the table. Oh yeah. Um, well, you mentioned I know you're not a, a a huge fan of the modules in general, but I <laughs> I usually have a lot of luck with them. But the thing is, I don't I don't use them in the way they're intended. Like I, uh, in the past when I've used them, I'll, I'll buy them like crazy, but I'll, I'll pull stuff out here and there. So like, I'll check out what new monsters they have, what new scenarios, like you read through, you know, they'll have like a, an interesting gimmick in a room or a trap or something like that. And it's great fodder for little pre-constructed things to drop into whatever scenario you happen to be telling. Um, you don't have to like grab the entire thing and, and toss it out there. So I don't know. I think that's I, a great I, way to use modules actually. Yeah, I've, I've been yeah, a big fan yeah, of I in general. Yeah, I heard a lot of people, they have a module, but like 20 minutes into it, they, they're they not even following the module anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty much just a, a jumping off point yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, well, and, and, and I, I love that. Board, that's, that's, a, that's fine. That's, I think that's a great way to use them. Yeah, I like modules mm-hmm. for, this, for the, the basic idea of getting the flavor that 
that they're shooting for with a role-playing game. Um, you know, if, if you get a, a, you know, if you get a game, especially if it's something that's not a, a franchise, you know, you kind mm -hmm. of want to know what kind of stories to tell. And, you know, there might be some, uh, some plot hooks, but a, uh, but a module will give you a, a, a kind of the way that they would do it. Um, not, not that right. you're stuck to that, but that helps you tie it in a little bit better with a good example of, of where to go. And then, yeah, if you're pulling, if you're pulling elements from it and, um, you know, creatures and, and traps and stuff, that's a great use of, of the material. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I think I just don't love when people stick too close to the module. Yeah. And I think that's what most of my experiences have been. Yeah, because, you know, let's face it, modules are written for a generic party, and there's no such thing as a generic mm -hmm. party. Um, every every group of <laughs> not players. Not anymore. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, even if even if you did go with the the standard, uh, you know, fighter, thief, uh, paladin, or, or you know, priest, wizard, whatever, mm -hmm. the players are going to bring their own individuality to it. So, no two groups, no two standard groups are even going to be the same, and right. therefore, you know, the uh, God, what is it? What is the saying? No, no plan. Uh, survives implementation or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, no battle plan. Was it survives contact, first contact with the enemy, something like that? Yeah, yeah, and, and pretty much the exact same thing is true of of uh, a module or a, or a game session. Mm -hmm. you, you can't really predict what's going to be happening. You know, two three scenes down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a lot of modules. Uh, a lot of beginner modules I find are pretty predictive, you know, just because of their simplicity and, and the yeah. fact that they're trying to introduce these people to the game mechanics and all that. And I love that aspect of it. I love that beginners can pick up a module and start playing and it'll help them along the way. You know, yes. It'll help them not necessarily with the story. It will, but it'll help them with um, getting used to how things work. Right, and if you're if you're a beginning uh, GM, absolutely use a use a module to to get uh, to get in the swing of things. I agree with that. Completely. Yeah, absolutely, well, absolutely. And different modules are written in different ways. You can tell some of them. Like occasionally, you run across one that has. Okay, so <laughs> this horrible game session I had. <laughs> um, <laughs> The DM was running a module, and it was a D, an earlier D and D one. I forget exactly the name of it, but um, it was kind of scaled for like level eight. And there were giant chunks of text in there that you just read verbatim from the module, and it was incredibly off-putting. Um, and at the mm -hmm. end of it, the last scene when we had our big encounter with the ghost army afterwards, um, the guys, the DM's like, um, "Here you go," and he just hands me the module. And there's like a two and a half page giant block of text to read. And he just hands it to me and says, read it, let me know what it says when it's done. So I, I was incredibly annoyed. I was ste like kind of like like steaming the whole time I was reading this thing. But I think I, I did what anybody would do, which was I read the entire thing and then made up a completely different ending. And told him, oh no, it actually says I, I, I subdued the dragon and now he's my pet. So he's going to follow me around forever. And <laughs> <laughs> it's... 
Uh, but yeah, if you get anything, whenever they're like completely on rails, that's never a good sign with a module. Have you ever seen the episode right. of? And... Have you ever seen the episode of Mash where they're de- defusing a bomb, and <laughs> the one guy is reading the reading the directions while while I think Hawkeye is doing it or something, and he says, "Okay, now cut the red wire." So he cuts the red wire and he says, "But first, make sure you've switched off the timer." <laughs> <laughs> and oh. I feel like I feel like that happens a lot when you're running modules, and especially if you have that that chunk of text to read, it'll be like. Blah 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 blah. Don't tell that to the players, you know. Yeah. Well, and and a lot of times, I mean, the players are like, "Wait a sec, we've been you've been talking for a half an hour. Can I interject something? Can I talk to this guy who's giving me this thing?" Like, it's usually describing events that they want to interact with. They're not allowed to because it's just a big block of text. Really, absolutely right. Yeah. Really can pull you out there. Yeah. And and that kind of brings you to being prepared for the module too. So. A lot of people out there pick up a module and think, okay, on game night, I can crack this open and we'll run it. Ooh. No, that's, <laughs> no. That's, not, that's not the case at all. Rookie like mistake. All. Yeah. <laughs> you, will, you will crash and burn if that's what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've been, in those, I've been in those situations all the time. You know, back when I played Pathfinder religiously and, uh, and hadn't even touched uh, D&D yet, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the kind of things that were run for me. Yeah. And you know, I was like towards the end I was I was getting a little bit more experience and being like, okay, this isn't a great GM. <laughs> yeah. True. J- just just because they felt that they could just hop in without being prepared. And that's yeah. a big thing, especially for experienced players because you have to have that element of telling the story not trying to figure out the story at the same time the players are. Right. Well, and, and I think that's one of the trade-offs because a lot of people buy modules because they're like, I don't have anything planned. We're just going to play this book that I've got. And that's where you get into trouble because, yeah, you have to have read the entire thing. You have to be really familiar with it. So it's a bit of a catch-22, which kind of leads to the whole why bother with modules in the first place. Um, right. And in my case, the answer is because the pieces are so fun. But that's you know, <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> I mean, that's why you play 4th edition. <laughs> There's that, yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna go back to that every single time. <laughs> no, you totally can. No, it's it's like when I I used to buy, they had those little uh, before this, is like in second edition. Um, they used to have little pewter figures, little or lead. They were mm-hmm. lead back then because you know, hey, why not lead? <laughs> and um, Ral Pathra, I think, made them, and they were little little D and D characters. And I used to paint them, and I had a great time with that, even though they were ugly as sin. And I'd make whole adventures just based around whatever miniatures I got that week. So it was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like what I ended up with from the clearance bin at my local hobby shop just happened to basically dictate the story. So I was like, okay, and today's about the rat men and the skeleton king. <laughs> and, you know, it's just <laughs> how it worked out. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a good improv tool also, you know. It is. Because, yeah. you know, the way you did it, you're just like, I don't have anything planned. Let's uh, Let's see what what the game store has. Okay. Uh, we're going to run this. You know, that's a, that's a good way to come up with new ideas or, um, think of things you wouldn't necessarily, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, walking around the game store, seeing different minis, you know, you see all these different monsters or, uh, even, you know, characters that could be NBCs or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's a good way to, uh, yeah, to, to find out things you normally wouldn't think of on your own. That is a good yeah. approach. 
I'm pretty sure I wrote a Space Marine into one by accident before I knew what 40k was. <laughs> um, you know, hey, whatever, it worked. Do <laughs> Everyone had fun. Do explain, Steve. Do explain. Well, no, that 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 was basically it. Was I was buying up cheap miniatures that the guy had laying around. They were pre-painted and whatever. And he there was a I think it was a, a, a Blood Angel, and um, he was just like one of the little guys with the machine gun. And I didn't know that there were fi- miniatures that didn't involve D and D. So I'm like, oh well, clearly <laughs> this guy is some sort of machine gun knight, and I need to make up some rules for him. So <laughs> that's just how it worked. Awesome. Perfect. I, I think Very nice. I, it was not chapter approved. I don't think the actual Blood Angels would, <laughs> would have been happy with that at all. Uh, so <laughs> in retrospect, the fact that a bunch of level three like fighters and thieves took him down was probably not was not legit either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess hey, that, that probably I mean, is. That's what makes things exciting. It does yeah. Make it exciting. I, I guess the other side of that, though, is, is uh, continuity and consistency. Um, you know, once you've introduced that, you got to go with it. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, this particular batch of adventures lugged around, um, I guess it was a bolt pistol at this point, um, for like several sessions and they were, they didn't want to run out of ammo and they'd never actually shot the thing, but they were pretty sure it could (laughs) kill anything. So they, they thought they had like this awesome death wand device thing that they could just, you know, and when they finally got around to trying to use it on, on something really inappropriate, some evil king or baron or something. Uh, it was out of ammo. And so... Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. <sighs> yeah, the good old oh. days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Mark, do you have any horror stories for games? <laughs> I, I, you're right. These do all seem to come from modules, but uh, I was running a paranoia module, and uh, the, the pre- it was actually like a, a series of... of short episodes um mm-hmm. where you know the uh it was it was paranoia in space basically <laughs> and okay. the troubleshooters were getting on this rocket and going off to repair a, a satellite um of course in paranoia you're not supposed to know anything about the outside world so <laughs> you know they because all that in... would be treason exactly so <laughs> they get into this room where they're all strapped in into chairs and uh, all of a sudden, you know, the room starts shaking and, and hear this roar and, you know, they're all pressed back in their seats. And, um, you know, a few minutes later, they're all they're all weightless. And the, the module just said, you start hearing this hissing sound. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And, you know, expecting that everyone's going to realize what it is. But, of course, the players were all like, yeah, I'm not supposed to know what that is, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna do anything. And <laughs> Clearly, the entire, they're snakes. The yeah. Just sat there and died. <laughs> because... <laughs> Dude, and of course, this was the very first section of this thing because, you know, <laughs> you know, they the were just rest... starting their mission. Yeah, yeah. Dude, so, I have got to uh... give it to your players. That's some dedication to the role, right there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it really was. And... Yeah, that's what makes paranoia so fun because <laughs> it's the the impromptu nature of of most everything with that game. Yes, yes, it's great. We really need to play a, play a play a paranoia game. We it should. So we much should fun. get that together. We should. Um, Steve, you okay there? You're dying. Oh, I'm something? good. I just um, something went down the wrong <laughs> pipe. Apologies. <laughs> <sighs> you're fine if you hear you're all right if you hear the sound of of air leaving your room we can we can take a break 
if it starts hissing, I'll be like, oh, it's it's just snakes. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Samuel L. Jackson shows up. <laughs> <laughs> snakes in a game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Um. Oh, and another thing I was excited about that I totally didn't didn't remember. Uh, I was telling Mark about this before before Steve joined us. Um, yeah. It's a diceless game system called Amber. I picked it up from RPG Drive Through for like ten, twelve bucks. Um, I was listening to another podcast because you know I do that, and uh, um. Somebody had a guest on that was talking about it, and it really intrigued me because, you know, with this whole uh, online gaming aspect with tabletop games, with RPGs, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, a diceless system would be awesome because you don't have to worry about dice rolls. You don't have to worry about, you know, having all this prepared. You know, you have your character sheet and you, you play the story. <clears throat> you know, and it sounds like decisions are ultimately made by the GM, but when are they not? <laughs> yeah yeah let's be honest if you succeed in a roll this way you know when you're rolling dice and it's against what the gm would want you know there are ways he can later down the line implement that you know so it's like you don't do it now you do it in 20 minutes you know so um but yeah i guess um like ability checks are contested and whoever has the higher ability and stuff like that I really haven't gotten into the game system all too much, but it seems like a really cool um, storytelling system. And, and it's got a kind of uh, futuristic kind of sci-fi base to it, it seems. Uh, but it's it's really interesting. Yeah, there's, there's a few uh, diceless role-playing games, I think. Um, and it's I've never played any, but it, it, it sounds like an interesting concept. Um, well, I take that back. I, I've done some uh, live-action role-playing um, that basically uh, was a uh, it was based on rock paper scissors, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you didn't want to carry around dice when you're wandering around a field. But uh, yeah, yeah, that. Uh, but yeah, it's it seems like an interesting, interesting mechanic. Yeah, it really does. And the more I read about it, the more interested I am because it's it's a good contrast to what I'm used to. Oh yeah, you know, I'm used to everything rolls a d20 and and weapons do this damage and you know stuff like that. But having a, a completely diceless system is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, another thing I just found out about. Remember, Mark, when I was talking about that that uh, two player game system called Reflections? Yes. The uh, the, the samurai based game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is now available for purchase. Oh. Very nice. So it's it's now out there. Um, I can find the website here because I bookmarked it. Nice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> maybe, probably not. <laughs> and and what's I mean aside from being about samurais, what's the hook with this one? It's essentially a storytelling game where it begins with these two individuals in you know epic heated battle. You know, one v one. You know. One's trying to kill the other. Okay. But, um, you know, it starts there and kind of does a flashback to where um, you realize these two people are best friends. And these two people are going step by step 
telling this story about how they got to this point. Hmm. It's a really, really interesting concept, and, and it's something that could be picked up, you know, like that. You know, you have a game group of four that usually gets together. Two people can't make it. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's you know? interesting that it's 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 tied to having specifically two players and a GM. Um, that is kind of a cool no. Number. I I believe it's I believe it's two individual people. Oh, two people. Yeah. So like each one kind of GMs the other. Kind of. I really don't know all that much about it. Okay. Um, just because. Uh, I only heard about it briefly from a, a different podcast and and uh, they said it was on Kickstarter, but the Kickstarter had already ended by the time I was listening to that episode. So I really didn't know all that much about it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess it's uh, two people sit across from each other and they decide this. Nice. And uh, just a fun, fun game. I'm, I might pick it up. It's like 10 bucks it's for a PDF. So it's, so it's really not bad at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about that because uh, I'd heard about this months and months ago and, and like every month on the month I've been searching, okay, reflections, is it out? Is it out? No. Okay. Next month. Uh, <laughs> Go to next month and repeat. But, uh, it sounds really clever. I like the concept. Yeah. I love the concept of it and, and having a, you know, non-magic, non, just, just swords and telling this story together, mm -hmm. you know. We're not all about storytelling games here, I promise you. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the storytelling games do tend to be a little bit more interesting. I mean, has anyone like has anyone had a really great RPG about combat like ever? I mean, yes. And so tell me about it. Like how did it go? <laughs> um well, this was when I started playing 4th edition. Ironically, because I don't like 4th edition and and it's probably one of the best combat <laughs> scenarios i've had mm -hmm. so it's, it's this far you know but the the story of it was we were these um these representatives from a from a college essentially um that was based around combat and you know it was it was basically an all-around essentially a hogwarts for for D D you know, except for not just magic, but in all aspects of combat and training and everything. Okay. But uh, we were sent, or my character was a a higher up that was recruited to take these students and uh, you know go go do missions for them. We didn't get too too far into the campaign, so I don't know where it was going to go. But we came upon this this city with with like the Federation, or I don't remember what the <clears throat> what the uh, faction was called, but we were in this city and there was this giant Coliseum. And every year, these people would get together and do what is called the Primal Games. Hmm. And so they would have all these fighters and all these heroes face wild animals or other people, you know, just, just kind of like a whole gladiator-style tournament. And the entire session no no the entire two sessions we took of it was just pretty much straight strategy and combat hmm. Hmm. and <laughs> the the thing i remember most about the the second night we did it you know it was getting to be like 10 30 11 o'clock you know everybody was kind of uh winding down you know everybody was getting kind of slow 
like like everybody does when it gets late and you're gaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and the our, our GM says, you know, this is this is Kyle, uh, Mark, the, oh, okay. my, my friend that I I need to get on the podcast one of these days. Gotcha. But um, he he turns to us and says, "All right, so uh, we've got one more round, you know, one more enemy to fight. You know, do you guys want to do this?" tonight or do you want to you know wait until the next night and we all kind of look to each other there are like four of us there we kind of look to each other and and unanimously go yeah let's do it you know it's just one more (laughs) that's where it went wrong (laughs) (laughs) so we ended up having to fight a it was a white dragon wormling or no, no, it was a white young dragon. Mm. So if you know anything about D and D, you know Wormling is like the lowest, and the young dragon is like the middle. But we were like level two. <laughs> Ooh. Interesting that they put you so, in a combat extravaganza at level two. That's that's impressive. Yeah, I thank Kyle for that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody died, but I got very close. Okay. So these level these four level two characters fighting a a a, uh, a monster probably fit for a sixth seventh level. Okay, we ended up being there until at least three in the morning. Oh my god! <laughs> because we just couldn't stop. We're like, we have to keep hacking at this dragon. <laughs> it's like three points, and three points, three points. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh. Or like six points, six points, seven points, four points. I mean, but but the whole thing was this thing had so much health. It had close to two hundred hit points. Oh jeez. Wow. And just just uh barely chopping at it with a couple hit points here and there is the reason we were there until three in the morning. Sure. And uh one of my favorite role playing scenarios. <laughs> And one of the, the best story came from that game. It was earlier that session. Or it was, yeah, it was earlier that session. Mm. And uh, we all have the idea to, you know, we we hear that we're going to fight a dragon eventually. Or that there's a, a dragon here. You know, we didn't necessarily know we were going to fight it. But somebody was. And then we all came with the idea of, you know, it's a young dragon. Where are its parents? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And so we we talk amongst each other and we go, all right, um, we don't like this federation all that much because they they dragged me here. And uh, and earlier in the story, uh, my character had a um, a pet that was an owl griffin. So like you know a griffin but with an owl head instead. It kind of looks like a cat with an owl's head. Okay. But with wings, it's weird. But um, they they stole it because they were gathering these creatures for the primal games, you know? And I was like, okay, I don't like them because they tried to, to kidnap and take my pet. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like them to begin with. And so we started essentially this mob because we, we spread the word that, uh, that, oh yeah, these, these, uh, dragon's parents are going to come and kill us and, and destroy the town. And, you know, and so we, we kind of started that little fire from a, from a spark to, this entire coliseum of people running out the doors (laughs) 
and throughout wow. the town. And it caused so much mayhem. <laughs> we were we were very proud of ourselves. <laughs> Inciting a riot. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were there were the four of us and we kinda spread out between everywhere and, and made our skill rolls to uh to to get people all uh all paranoid. I think I, I rolled a twenty and and everybody just started <laughs> started fleeing. <laughs> nice. Nice. There was also another moment where one of our characters had um, like teleportation boots, so like they clicked the heels and like zapped somewhere else. Ooh. And to uh, to start some more chaos, he uh, <laughs> he teleported into a cage full of kobolds <laughs> and like yelled for the guard because he wanted to get these kobolds released. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. so he was gonna have the guard. Uh, unlock the door and then all these kobolds were going to go crazy (laughs) (laughs) but that that kind of backfired on him (laughs) because he zapped in there and he can only use it once every 10 minutes or something okay and he didn't think that the guard wouldn't let him out (laughs) (laughs) and i'll let you guys use your imagination for the rest (laughs) that's great nice i'll tell you what cable kobolds are are without a doubt, like, sort of one of my favorite D&D creatures, and, like, every story that starts with, so there's this pack of kobolds, is always going to end well, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Exactly. Exactly. Um, We're gonna kind of switch gears here. Uh, I wanted to get some feedback from you guys on uh, your preferences with different game mechanics. Um, First question... We'll start with Mark. Okay. Um, what are some game mechanics that um, keep you wanting to play a game, a specific game system? Um, I I like simplicity. Um, I, I I think uh, when things tie together, um, something I really like is, and this is one of the reasons I really didn't like the the D twenty system. I like when your traits are really the core of your character. Um, mm-hmm. They and I don't like you know when when the peripheries like the skills and traits and stuff uh, overtake the the traits. I want to be able to to look at a glance and say, okay, this is a strong character. This is a smart character. This is a, a nimble character. Um, and you know everything else just kind of builds off that. Uh, so I like, I like, I like that in a system. Um, I remember you, you talking about, you know, I, I think we were talking about Pathfinder or something and you said, you know, they can have an X number in, in their traits and then they can super buff out those skills and their skill can supersede the trait. Exactly. That's what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I'm much more of a, a things I don't like. Uh, I, I don't like negatives either. They they really mm-hmm. annoy me in a in a in a game system. Um, I can understand not having a bonus, but don't make me go backwards with a negative. Um, like a disadvantage, but like in like in I know in fourth edition. I'm not sure about three point five in D and D, but um, like disadvantage gave you a minus two to your roll. Yes, yes. And it's like, why? Right, right. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the contrast in 5th edition where, you know, 
um, you roll twice and take either the highest or the lowest based on if you have advantage or disadvantage. Yeah, I like that. That is a neat. That is is a neat mechanic. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of games are. are <laughs> There, there's kind of two extremes here. There's, you know, back when everything was D20 and, and everything was the exact same system. And then the other extreme is when when games are trying to be different just to be unique. Um, <laughs> you know, I think... But not but not in the good way. <laughs> not in the good way, no. Uh, there's, I mean, we talked about this too. A, a game should fit its genre. It should be mm-hmm. what, uh, you know, what it fits. Um, it, it should complement what you're trying to do, and a lot of times doing a different system will help that. But doing yeah. things different just to be different uh, isn't always the best solution. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, S- Steve, what about you? What are some things that that you like? Things specific mechanics that you enjoy? Well, I've I've kind of gravitated well change sort of over time initially when i first started getting into this i was very much into the kind of the rules heavy ones just you know sort of the the fun nitpicky that you can kind of tweak it and modify it and i have completely done a 180 on that whole thing and now like if i'm gonna play a game i like to be heavy narrative like light on rules just you know getting into the story as quick as possible because i found that when i start having fun with these things it's usually because there's something interesting going on in the story and not because i put my points into decks instead of strength so i don't know like you know you're you're exactly right and i was thinking that as we were telling our stories and and if you've listened to anybody tell role-playing stories they never tell stories about the mechanics the stories are you know that I was, you know, running away from this group of robots and, and I had to leap this chasm and then there were some cobalts and, you know, cobalts always make a story good. So, you know, that makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, that's what people remember. That's what you're really sitting, sitting down and playing a role-playing game for is, is the moments. You know, guys, I was, I was running from these cobalts and I rolled a d20. And I rolled a 12 and made it across the chasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not quite the yeah. same. Yeah. Not, not no. the same. No, it's really not. But I mean, I mean, like, I remember, like, you know, I, I every, my whole group of friends was getting into Shadowrun. And we were reading about it and the combat was really cool. And we were really getting into the feel and the flavor and all this stuff. But mainly it was, it was, it was kind of rules heavy. And, and we were like, that's it. We're just going to do this. It's going to be great. And, you know, we played it through most of the night one night. We were up until like three or four. And we realized at, at the end of it, I was like, you know, we were playing one combat for four hours. Like mm-hmm. that's how crazy <laughs> this got. Okay. And the entire time it was like, I mean, there was a lot of like, there's a lot of bickering. There was a lot of arguing. And if you looked at it, you know, since each round is supposed to be like four seconds or some tiny little length of time, it's like, we've spent, we've spent like five hours processing 28 seconds of game time. Like, what has this exactly. come down to? Like, is this is yeah. this really what we're doing here? And everybody else said emphatically, "Yes, I love this." And I'm like, "Ah, I'm out." So yeah, uh, I don't know. You, know. you know, Steve, I've got the perfect game for you. Okay, what's that? Have you heard of Seventh C? <laughs> <laughs> I have, which is why I'm playing Seventh C at the time. Actually, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I was going to suggest Rollmaster. Rollmaster? Oh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Rollmaster. I don't know if. I don't think I still have it, but Rollmaster is the poster child for too many rules. Um, it was 
it was like this encyclopedia of of stuff. Oh um, God! <laughs> it, you know, it was a fantasy setting, but you, mm-hmm. know, you every you had a different chart for whichever type of weapon you were using. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a knife versus a machete versus a rapier versus a longsword. You know, they would all have different charts. Plus, they all had different uh, dramatic charts, and and as if that wasn't bad enough. Then they came out with a space version of oh, Rollmaster. Oh, no. Which, uh, of course, that's, then, then, that's worse. Yeah, you're adding all of the, the space stuff. And uh, if you ever look it up in Wikipedia or something and just get some feel for it, because it, it was this ridiculous uh, rules heavy. And I kind of agree with you, Steve. I, I When I was younger, I, I played Rollmaster. I played. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. I think, I, I think we played Space Master, too. But uh, and and you know it's kind of like there was kind of a thrill in that uh, immersion of, of rules, but uh, but really when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you're telling the stories about the action and what actually happened. Mm-hmm. The rules aren't what aren't what you bring away from a game session. Well, I think right. when it works, it's because there's a shared cultural experience. Everybody's read the same books and they've got the same background. And everyone's kind of on the same page. When it comes to this this game that they're going to play, um, and you know you can you you can throw out you know random jargon about you know Thaco and whatever, and everybody at the table gets it, and I mean it, you're kind of in the club, and I think that's where you have fun with it, I guess. Um, but at some point, I was like, you know what? I don't need to be in the club. I want to hear about a story. Tell me a story. <laughs> that's true. Right. So I don't know. How about you, Zach? Remember... What do you look for? Uh. Just a side tangent, real quick. Oh, you, sure. When you were talking about all the all the graphs and charts and everything, yeah, uh, I remember. You know, so so my uncle is a bigger nerd than I will ever be. <laughs> you know, he he played everything you know original, and then he uh, he started playing Magic when it first came out, and then and all that stuff. Wow. And uh, I remember him telling me, you know, him finding out that I played D anD D, and uh, he was telling me, oh, back in the day when he made. Uh, um, like a little, I don't know how to explain it. You know, one of those like circular things with a pin through it that you can like rotate and see different stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rotoscope. You know, it's got like a, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's the word. Uh, he made one of those to calculate different things for D and D, you know, out of, uh, I don't even remember what he said he made it out of like maybe a, a base of like a, a thin plexiglass or a thick plastic or something. Oh, wow. And then, you know, made different stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's dedication. That is dedication <laughs> right there. That is clever. You know, because back when you had to calculate all that stuff by hand or by memory and, and you know, he he made it. You know, he did all that stuff. Yeah. That's and he's impressive. like, he's a super genius. Huh. Like, he can read a book in, in 20 minutes and tell you everything that happened. Nice. <laughs> Nice. It's, it's ridiculous. But um, does he like Rollmaster? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he could tell you all the rules of that very very thick book uh-huh. in no time. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I remember one one year for my birthday, he sent me all of his old magic cards, like original old magic cards. Wow. Hmm. I was so excited because that was right when I had had. Uh, really gotten into magic oh beautiful and uh i was i was great you know i didn't play tournaments i just played with friends so i didn't need any like legacy decks or anything like that i didn't need any uh like new of the new kind of uh tournaments or anything like that so i just you know 
I put the all these old cards in in my uh, in my deck and went with it. Nice. There you go. Uh, but but things I like about different systems. <clears throat> I'm a sucker for. You know, you you guys were talking about those people that do things because it's different. Yeah. Um, I I tend to like those systems, but uh, I mean, to be honest, everything's different because I'm used to a D twenty system. <laughs> but <laughs> more the but I kind of types. Uh, kind of yeah. Um, I like playing around with different ideas. You know, and, and when I see people are doing that on their own, you know, instead of me, you know, just taking a, a mechanic and, and bending a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. if I see a mechanic that somebody's done that's interesting and that's new and different, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more attracted to that. Hmm. Um, that's, that's valuable. I think, you know, I mean, there can be some good stuff that comes to, comes from that sort of, uh, out of the box thinking. Right. And and when I saw uh, Amber, and when I saw it said Diceless System, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a little bit of a sucker for for the uh, the different stuff. Yes. Okay. That's fair. Although it seems like, and maybe this is just because of my, my lack of exposure to different systems, but it seems like some of the ones that are a little bit more... Uh, I'm, I want to say gimmick-based, but not with the negative connotation there. Like, the, it, it probably wouldn't be good week after week. Like, if you were playing the the Reflections game, you're probably not going to want to roll up, like, two more Samurais, you know, several times in a row. Um, probably not. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if you're having fun with it. So, you know, if it's if it's good for one yeah. session, then that's great. You had a great session. That's, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. A game that does that, um, that I picked up recently... Uh, Jack actually talked about it when we had him on the podcast. It was called uh, Rayutama. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, I picked it up just because, you know, I was interested in it, and I, I hadn't picked it up since he told me about it. <laughs> um, I did a little bit of research on it, and it's a really cool concept. It's very simple. You know, combat's really simple. Instead of having this battle map, you have... It's almost like a Final Fantasy-esque, um, you know, turn-by-turn... Um, combat thing so you know do you all play like the old final fantasy games on the super nintendo or oh yeah you know or <laughs> chrono trigger or anything like that you know so it's got that yeah. um that uh so one person goes and then the next person goes and then the next person goes you know and there's like a front and a back row okay so it's like if you're on the back row you can only do ranged attacks and if you're on the front row you can only do melee attacks so it's a really cool co- it's like this this big oval this egg-shaped uh, battle map, hmm. and it's a it's a really cool concept. Oh, and uh, hmm. different skills are represented by different dice instead of different values. Hmm. So it's like if you want more in in strength or something, you know, you put your d6 or your d8 in in that. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's it's really it's kind of dumbed down. I mean, it's not really dumbed down, but for lack of a better word, it's dumped down it's simplified (laughs) okay interesting and uh the core story behind it is the gm is this um is what's called the ryujin and they are like ancestors of dragons and almost like gods kind of um 
and they are essentially writing down this story as it goes on. So it's like this this uh, person that's not in this universe is like carving out this stone of this story, and you guys are essentially the pawns. You guys are the heroes and, and stuff like that. It's a really, really cool concept. <clears throat> and instead of having all the basic classes like fighter, rogue, stuff like that, it's got merchants, um, uh, nobles, different like kind of base class people. Hmm. And it's really interesting. But um sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool and it's really simple. Um I can definitely send it to you guys. Okay. Because I have a PDF of it. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> PDFs are for sharing. <laughs> they really are. If anybody tells you differently, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can get the uh the different classes here. Well, so um, it reminds me of um, there was a, a, a video game I played not too too long ago on the uh, Nintendo 3DS. Uh, this company mm-hmm. called Level Five that tends to make little experimental things. They made a download only game called Crimson Shroud, and it's a video game of a tabletop RPG session type thing. Okay, so mm. the game feels more like it's the GM the GM like you're reading kind of like. Uh, like page of text and the dungeon's pretty smallish and it feels like you're kind of going through this little dungeon uh, and it gives like really florid kind of narrative heavy descriptions of every room you walk into but um, the cool thing is you've got little miniatures like you're a little miniature you're standing there uh, whenever oh, whenever cool. you make an attack roll the game actually throws out you know dice you, the dice roll out you like you know figure out if you hit or not and it had the system like you're saying with the skills where if you wanted to focus on one thing that would be your 20 sided die and if it's something slightly less than that like your secondary thing would be a 12 would be your 12 sided die and so mm-hmm. every turn you're like you're throwing out like you know all five dice but where you want to be important, you know, your dump stat's going to be your D4. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's – I think there are four different base uh, base skills or base traits, and I think that's all you have. I don't think there's a, there's a skill list for it. Okay. You know, nice. I think it's just up to finding out what you want to do, where it, what category it goes in. Right, right. Um, so the classes are very strange. <laughs> Uh, it's minstrel, merchant, hunter, healer, farmer, artisan, and noble. Huh. So it's like they all have these different, um, just these different class cards, you know, that give you just a card that gives you a basic, you know, this is what this does and this is what your special skills are and, and stuff like that. This sounds like yeah. the sort of adventure you'd run on this is not your typical dungeon crawler. Like, if you walk into the moldy ruins with an artisan, a noble, and a farmer, you're probably going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a... Uh, yeah, it's it's a feel-good game, I think. Okay, okay. Huh. Gotcha. But, um... But, yeah, and there are, there are game mechanics where uh, the GM can use a certain amount of points, and they can... Uh, take on the form of anything they want and join these these people, which is a really cool concept. So it's like if they need help, you know, the GM can step in and either as a person or a, a type of animal or anything, you know, okay. they can step in and, uh, and interject. 
That's nice. But it's a it's it's a really cool game, and all the art reminds me of like old manga stuff or old anime stuff. Nice. It's it's got some really good art. Hmm. That goes a long way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it it kind of uh, expands your imagination. Yeah, it's surprising how much art can when there's good art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's surprising how much art can can help or hurt an RPG system. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're really kind of taking it out of the the book and you know making a uh, theater of the mind's eye type thing um, mm-hmm. when you're actually playing. But it really gives a flavor to uh, to it when you're planning and 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 you know, reading through the stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Well, it helps to center um, everybody into the same kind of mindset. Like, you know, if everybody's, everybody's assumingly they've all read the rule book, they've got the same kind of framework um, of what they're starting from based on the artwork in the, in the book. So mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I do think it goes a long way towards, towards uh, pulling like new people into the setting. Um, you know, just the artwork. It's true. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, and, and the thing that goes along with that is uh, different genres, too. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if something, if a game is more comical, you know, having more whimsical art is going to reflect that. Um, you know, whereas if you have, you know, something like like D and D, if D and D was was all very cartoony looking art, mm-hmm. you know, you you'd have a totally different feel about that. And and maybe a totally different audience too. Very true. Very true. It it might make it seem a little kiddish. Uh huh. You know. But um. But yeah, I mean, just art helps the game designers get their point across more more quickly. You know, they get their uh, you know, what they want the people to see and how they want the people to imagine it. That's a good point. Um, and that that gets a lot more people that are interested in that, you know, uh, to, to buy the books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what about some aspects you don't love? I know you touched a little bit on it, Mark. Yeah, but, I um, guess I, I kind of went in that direction more. Um, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the negatives are, are a big part of it. Um, and, uh, I, I, I kind of agree with Steve. I, I used to enjoy the more robust systems. I, I actually enjoyed role, role master at the time, but mm-hmm. now I'm much more into a, a, str- something that's streamlined and, uh, you know, let you get right to the point quickly and easily. Um, I think, uh, you know, things that have uh, you know, just they go in too many directions at once. I think are, mm-hmm. is the biggest problem. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of what that. I was saying about uh, you know doing things just to be different. Um, right. You know, a, 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 have a concept and go with it. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I think that's the biggest uh, one of the bigger turnoffs. Hmm. Another thing I like or don't like, <laughs> it's kind of hand in hand. True. But uh, I I don't like games that require 
a whole lot of preparation. You know, like if I if I have to spend four hours preparing this one encounter, mm. that's that's way too much. You know, that's fair. Yeah, but is the, but is that a a game master uh, preference? Um, you know, I, I played with one game master who was meticulous about working out every single detail and every every possible combination and you know he would he would painstakingly figure out trying to think out the psychology of the the character the players and which direction they'd go and and try to map <laughs> things in that direction and and you know he would have these detailed maps um that man that. is setting himself up for disappointment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it... that's what I've that's what I've realized. The more I played fifth edition with my group, the more I realized they didn't want to be linear. They didn't want to necessarily follow a A to B path. Right. So so anymore, I'm I'm more flexible with with my preparation. I think that's a good um, good route. But but just because, you know, the system doesn't require a whole lot, you know, mm-hmm. you can, like, I can have the monster manual sitting at my side and be like, okay, flip to a random page and be like, okay, here's that. Another thing that helps with that is random table encounters. Random encounter tables, if I can speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Those are really helpful because... You know, in a situation where you have a main story and maybe a couple of side stories, if they don't go that way, mm-hmm. you know, having a random table um, of of monsters for that level or, you know, just a basic, hey, I can roll a d20 and, and okay, we're going to fight this monster. And I can say there are eight kobolds here, you know. True. You come upon a cave and uh, it's got a rancid smell in it and uh, out pop eight kobolds yay kobolds you know, so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but doesn't that require a certain you know that that requires a certain game master skill to be able to do Absolutely. that and yes. work it into you know work it in narratively the other the other side of that coin too is if, if you're coming up with with tables and you know you come up with 20 and you know it's like ooh a space marine that would be really cool you know <laughs> to work into a dungeon and then you can never roll a 20 you you know you you end up well i mean you've got the choice that that you can kind of uh overstep that that quote unquote rule of course and uh and say hey there's a space marine in here well, if you right. if it's something you really want you can true. write it into the story a little bit more and i think That's that true. like mark was saying i think that is a skill of the dms because i think i think the the core of the 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 fun dm experience is when you think up like a scene that would be really cool and you want your players mm-hmm. to do the scene now, if getting your players to that scene doesn't work out the way you initially intended, that's fine. But a good, skillful DM who can improv really well can say, okay, you know what? Originally, this was going to be on a pirate ship, but now the bad guy is on a castle instead. And we're doing, you know, the thing I had this, you know, the whole thing planned out, but we can fly with it. We can move it over here and it'll still work. Um I think that, that that flexibility helps the players not feel forced, and it gives the DM the reward that, you know, maybe, you know, you can still, all the planning wasn't for naught, you know, you can you can still have it happen. Well, that's right. part of the trick, too, is is getting getting your players to a point where they think they made that decision on their own. Yes. You know, and kind <laughs> of get them to where you want, you know, without making them feel like they've been, been herded like cattle. 
maintaining the illusion right. of freedom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Maintaining. Exactly right. Yeah, we we spoke about that last week when we were talking about video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maintaining. Yeah. The, yeah, those game devs definitely maintain the illusion of of uh, opinion. Yeah, yeah and I I think that's a little bit easier in a in a uh, tabletop setting because mm-hmm. well, first of all, you're you're um, tailoring the action to your specific players. Um, and also, you can allow some deviation and still kind of lead back to where you need it to be. Um, yeah, and another thing with tabletop games, it's it's all happening live, and it can yes. be adjusted live. Exactly. Where to, whereas you know, a video game, you hit play and you play. You know, it's not adjusting to you. Right. I'm 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 taking you know basic RPGs as an example for for those. You know, there are games that. <laughs> procedurally generated things and and yada 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 and everything but yeah. um but yeah that's that's a good point because you know all this stuff if you have the improvisation skills or hell you prepare 30 different things mm-hmm. <laughs> right know, um that can be adjusted to your liking and to how how the players react to things yeah but you know, anymore like White Link was seven C. You know, I didn't prepare that much, but I had prepared a little bit, so it so it didn't seem like I didn't do anything. Sure, <laughs> you know. But uh, like I said, Redford was uh, was all improv, and now he's he's the main villain. That's great. Which is a little ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I think with a GM though, like there's, I mean, preparation is never wasted. It's just kind of it just pops up where you don't expect it to. So if you plan out like this huge, you know, encounter or backstories for all of your goblins or whatever, even if they decide to go left instead of right, you might be able to work it in in the future. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it, it just gets postponed. Yeah, yeah. Gets postponed. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's, I do think it is bad form to like block the players off and say, no, you absolutely have to go down this tunnel because that's the way I've got it planned. Um, right. You know, that's that's pulling the players out and people are going to have less of a good time there. But, you know, you should be able to make it work either way. Unless, unless there's something specific for a quest that they need to search for, and it happens to be in this spot. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you know, if you're the DM, maybe it's in that spot. Like, you know, that that's where the flexibility right, comes that's in. True. You know, like if they decide to hop on a treasure sh- uh, a pirate ship instead of going off, well, they might run into some other ship that had found the item previously and was carrying it back to another kingdom. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can roll with it, it can still work. Uh, I, I think fighting against the current is where people get into trouble. Like when they're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, no, 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 you need to like go this way and do that, and that's what, because I said so. You know, it's it, that's just no one's having fun at that point. True, right? Yeah, and I think you know, going back to what makes a good game master, when we talked about it a couple episodes ago, you know, it's uh, having that little bit of flexibility, and because it's it's all about you know telling the story and having everybody have fun, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, if if your goal is to uh, to TPK, you know, total party <laughs> kill. It's that then not everybody's having fun. No, <laughs> yeah, no. you know. So, um, not not saying that the, the the GM can't do some of those things, but um, it, it's it's more as long as everybody's on the same page, we're fine. You know, and that's you know we're thinking about starting a game, and uh, that's why I'm getting so much input from you guys because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know if I run a game and and it's a game for me, you know. And it's not necessarily a system you guys like. You know, not everybody's going to have fun. True. 
So, so it sounds like Roll Masters is yeah. out. Is what I think we're getting here. <laughs> a little, a little bit. I might have to consider it. <sighs> we'll get back to you in a, in a year after you've read all the rules. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Opening doors, volume seven. <laughs> <laughs> Opening doors. <laughs> Oh. That's not far off, really. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Steve, back to you. What are some things you you don't necessarily like? Things that keep you from uh, from going back to a game? Um, games in general. Uh, again, rules heaviness is kind of a, a, a bugbear with me. I'm not a huge fan. Um, <laughs> bugbears in general. I don't like bugbears. Um, <laughs> right out. Um, I think, it, like, if, if we're talking about kind of like things that have historically kind of ruined things for me, um, one of the to go back to the worst session ever type things. Uh, I remember, like, if you've got an imbalance in the party on a social basis before the game starts, <laughs> that can carry over really quickly and make the entire game kind of rough. Um, I tried playing mm. one game with a friend of mine who was playing with coworkers. And uh, uh, the the boss of the company that everybody else worked for uh, was playing as a player in this game. And it was the weirdest dynamic because the world would reshape itself like instantly around the actions of this this one player. So because yeah. he was the boss, everybody's got to so the DM and all the other players were just <laughs> trying to make the boss happy. And I'm sitting here. I'm the only one who doesn't work for this company. So I'm like, <laughs> am I taking crazy pills? Do people not see what's happening here? So like. <laughs> like you know we're walking through a, a swamp or something and and as a piece of sort of flavor text the gm throws out oh there's a kind of a an ancient column kind of sticking halfway out of a bog and um the the guy who's the boss is like okay we're gonna excavate this column because i feel that there's something awesome here and we spent the next like two weeks in game time in a swamp digging out a column and sure enough, there was a fabulous relic at the bottom of this, like, <laughs> two stories down in this bog. Conveniently enough. Exactly. And no matter what happened, no matter what the situation was, like, sort of whatever he said was going to work, whatever you wanted to do, is what ended up being the right solution. So, you know, we charge headlong into a party of orcs, and the orcs were so surprised to see us, like, who would obviously be killed by this action, charge them, that they just broke morale and fled. And I'm like, see, that shouldn't have worked. There's no reason why that would work, but it's just the way it works, so I don't know. That's why it's called fantasy. Steve. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, I think you you bring up a good point, though, in that the party is, you know, having the right party mix and, and dynamic and, and chemistry is is part of the mechanics here, too, of having a good game mm -hmm. session. Uh all the all the weight isn't only on the game master. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe next episode we'll talk about uh, the the topics we were going to talk about today. That's true. We... <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but uh, yeah, like ways ways you can help the GM and ways GMs can help the players too. Yeah. So um, it's a I mean it's a good thing to talk about and good thing to think about. Um, absolutely. Any any final touches final tips anything well we we talked about you know what what the kind of games the kind of mechanics that we liked and didn't didn't like and kind of like mm -hmm. what steve was saying when we were talking about tabletop games i feel like the, the you know the mechanics are what keep you but i'm curious what when you see a game on a shelf a role-playing game what is it that that draws you to actually pick up the system and and give it a try um 
I personally, I don't remember what it was called. I might have it written down somewhere. But there was a book that that interested me because of the art on the front cover. And I think that's what (laughs) 95% of people will say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, art is ultimately what gets your attention the first time. So whether that art be a part of a fantasy uh, a fantasy game or or a a space game, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of ties into the genre as well. True. Um uh, the game I was thinking about is Keltia, K E L T I A. Um mm. it, it kind of seemed like a uh kind of Nordic type game, so like Vikings and Okay. Uh, and sailing and everything. It uh but yeah, like I said, with with art, it kind of meshes art and genre, just because it's a physical representation of what genre it's going to be and what, what kind of game it's going to be. It's fair. Uh, it turned out being a horrible book, by the way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yeah. Enjoy, I didn't enjoy it at all. Oh, wow, <laughs> I can understand that. But uh, it's kind of like a two part thing. So if if the cover gets my attention, um, I'll pick it up. But if I flip through it and it doesn't keep my attention well it doesn't keep my attention you know but um yeah and i think i think most people agree when i say art is what gets you to pick up a book that's fair fair. now i will say for me there has i've never actually had a choice in the matter to tell you the truth in all the game (laughs) sessions i've ever played the game that we're going to play always boils down to what are my players or what are people familiar with that like if even if I'm not running it, if I'm just a player, it's just a matter of, you know, what's everyone on board for? Like, if everybody's in a Star Wars mood and we're playing Star Wars, great. If everyone's in a, you know, Shadowrun or D&D or whatever, like, there, I don't think there's ever been a, a point in my life where I've been able to walk into a game store and say, you know, that looks like an awesome game. I would love to play that because I've never had the availability of people that I could persuade to actually play with. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. there you go. <laughs> and that's a, that's, yeah. you know, I think we talked about that in one of the early shows. That's that seems to be kind of one of the things with this hobby is you see a game that you like, that means you're game mastering it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, you know, 99.9% of the time when, I, what makes me pick up a game is, Ooh, I'd really like to play that. You know, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. like to be a swashbuckling pirate. Therefore I'm <laughs> going to pick up seven C. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I think for me, it's that kind of thing that, the, what would I want to play? Mm-hmm. You know, that makes me think, you know, with with art, you know, that's that's games that aren't a part of a franchise. So it's like, sure. I know a lot of people would say, you know, Star Trek games or Star Wars games. Mm-hmm. That's what I go for because it's part of that franchise. So, I mean, and that's I'm a, going to yeah. correct myself and say <laughs> if it's not a part of a franchise, uh, art is what gets me. Yeah, I can that's, a, that's a good thing, yeah. too. That's a good thing too because uh, a lot of franchises get get that attention because of all the people that love the franchise. Very true. Yep. Alrighty. Uh, what about you guys? What what uh, or what about Mark? Steve Steve said a little <laughs> bit, but uh, well, like I said, I, I um I pretty much grab something because it's something that I want to play. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be you know I, I look at a, a you know swashbuckling game or you know i'd like to be i'd like to be james bond so ooh, here's a james bond game and, then, mm-hmm. and you know the franchise that's one of the reasons i lean towards the franchise games a lot um 
because that is also you know something that uh, that draws me. I watch this world. I'd like to be a part of this world. So let's mm. give it a try. And then of course I I actually run it and see how the rules work and see if if everything's a good fit and you know then all the things that we talked about before come into play so that's uh but ultimately you know i think you make a great point about the art the art does feel you know does does kind of establish the mood um Mm -hmm. you know you you, i know you can't judge a book by its cover but the only way (laughs) the only way to choose a book to judge is by its cover is by its cover (laughs) so right uh, that that kind of brings up a point of uh, you know I've listened to a bunch of podcasts and there are a lot of systems that people have recommended and talked well about and if it's for ten bucks on RPG Drive Through yeah I'm gonna pick it up <laughs> you well, know and yeah. and if it's something I didn't like maybe I can pass it on to somebody and they'll love it true you know so it's and that's part of that's a, different, a uh, the different world we live in too is that uh, you know the internet has a lot of things that you can listen to and. You, know, you listen to a review of something and think, "Oh, that sounds interesting. It's worth giving mm-hmm. it a try." Um, you know that uh, kind of helps broaden people out of just the uh, picking, choosing something based on cover art, too. Definitely. Yeah, completely. Well, we might as well end it there, just to kind of stick closer to the hour because we haven't for like the last eight episodes. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, any any last last words? I don't think so. I think we've pretty well covered it. Perfect. Keep on playing and roll twenties. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that should be our catchphrase. <laughs> I like that it. Should be our catchphrase. keep on playing and roll twenties. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on SoundCloud.com/slash/TabletopRadioHour and on iTunes. Give us reviews in, in both. You can send comments down at the bottom of SoundCloud if you'd like. Uh, you can find us on twitter.com. Not slash. <laughs> I was, <laughs> was going to treat it like SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions and comments. And I want to thank you all for listening. 